to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. I'm just going to intro the show at the beginning because we always fuck this up. Hello, I'm Jake Flores. This is Pod Damn America. That's Anders Lee. Uh, Lee Anders. We're out of order today. Oh, right. We're out of order. Wait. <laughs> Lee here, Anders. There we go. Patak. Uh, I'm Alex Patak. Thanks for having me, Jake. Oh, okay. You don't want to do the fun out of order. Did you miss us? that thing bit too? Yeah. I didn't. Did I haven't you? missed a goddamn thing in my entire okay. life. I got eagle eyes on this end of the table, and I'm spotting <laughs> things as they come down the pipe. Yeah. You haven't missed anything yet because we are chronologically at the beginning of the podcast yeah, right true. now. We're always at the. Be- you must be at the beginning to get to the end. <laughs> you must be at the beginning to get to the end. A wizard is never late. You sound like McAfee when you said that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm on my money mindset right now. Well, you know who else doesn't miss anything? Is the United States Air Force as they dispatch one balloon after the next out of the skies of America and Canada. Is more balloon stuff happening? More balloon stuff. Okay, no. The, okay, so the update. This is for anybody who was listening last week before the Super Bowl episode. Uh, we were talking about how there are UFOs, and they uh, we were suddenly blowing them up out of the sky like three days in a row. And uh, what you are preparing to do for your acceptance of the alien overlords, will you let them touch you? Will, will you? Can they touch you a little bit? Is it bad that we shot them with missiles? Can they touch you? <laughs> well, it turns out the official explanation for all of these things being blown out of the sky, the various shapes, the octagon, the uh, the, the the car-sized pyramid or whatever. <laughs> the magic school bus that we shot down. Apparently, <laughs> in an official press release by Joe Biden, those were all private balloons. And uh, you will not be seeing them. Did he say that? Yes. What is a private balloon? I don't think he, I don't think he said that. Have they confirmed that yet? He said they suspect they are private balloons. Okay. There's just a bunch of It's a balloon so not owned by the government. It I could don't, be anybody's I, I balloon. I don't think they have acknowledged what it is yet, to be clear. But there was there there is a club in Northern Illinois, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade, NIBBB. Yeah, I'm a member of that club. Which is, they're missing a balloon. And yeah. they and they they don't want to say who did it, who took it out. <laughs> we, but well, I guess we do have the uh, remains of a balloon that's been shot by a Hellfire missile, but it doesn't look anything like the one we sent up there. It's got to be a really scary time to just be a hobbyist, casual, like a balloon ballooner. There's yeah. never been that. a scarier time to be a balloonist, Jake. Because <laughs> like any time you go up. What goes up must come down. Biden's just out there. (laughs) He's got his eyes on it, Mac. Looking for you. He's looking for balloons. And so the official narrative of this story, to put a cap on it, is that these are balloons we have been shooting with $400,000 missiles. Put a bottle cap on it. (laughs) With a bottle cap, a a lethal bottle cap. Apparently they, so it's a, they call it the Pico balloon is the name of this thing. And it's uh, silver and uh, it's high altitude. Uh, and they've they've tried to contact the FBI and the uh, Air Force and the military, and uh, they they haven't heard anything back. So <laughs> we'll see. A Pico, 
Yeah, the, it, the but it, it's exact. It sounds exactly like what they've shot down, and they're they're only like it says. The article says it's from twelve to one hundred eighty dollars a pop. So, so we're <laughs> we're trading. Look, the fact that we That's shot great- down. <laughs> Something resembling a Pikachu, and that there is a <laughs> Pikachu in the Macy's Day Parade is a complete coincidence. You know, if your plan was to slowly drain the United States military of its budget one balloon at a time, you're off to a great exchange for your $100 <laughs> balloon to the $400,000 missile. Yeah. Apparently, Russia and Ukraine have been like sending balloons at each other just to waste each other's ammo. So it's just balloon wars this year. This yeah. year's all about balloons. You know that uh, on on D Day they had all to throw the Germans off. They had all this uh, military hardware set up on a shore in England where they weren't actually going to attack from, and uh, German spies saw all these like tanks and weaponry and stuff. But it turned out they were all balloons. And they're actually attacking from another side where everything was hidden. Ooh, that's a cool move. Yeah, balloons are one of the ancient and most powerful weapons in, in warfare and in, in, in psychological espionage. Yeah, actually, I kind of heard that's why uh, Benghazi went down the, the way it is because okay. they used balloons over there. Did you know that? Uh, yeah. Well, Hillary, do we want to Clinton? Okay, so balloons. Up. Oh, Andrew's changing the subject from Benghazi well, again. You, Andrew doesn't want to talk about Benghazi well, again. You, you I just never want to talk about Benghazi on this <laughs> podcast. It's like what is your problem like uh, with it? Because you, you love the Democratic Party so much, you're afraid to admit that they botched it, and they got all those good soldiers killed in the line of duty. Benghazi ain't going away. Anders. I think like I have, three okay, of them. I have a or friend whose name is Benjamin Ghazi, and really? had a he died, and so it's triggering for me. Oh. But, but uh, I, I wanted made to, up before we get made up jokes. more lies from the lying government. Anders, I just want to make sure this the balloon that is this podcast gets as much air as it doesn't. You know, it's not under uh, inflated, air, under inflated, and we have enough time to run. But uh, balloons. Why won't you let us talk about Benghazi? <laughs> we'll get to it. In what is your agenda? <laughs> balloons are very similar to orbs. Don't That's, you think? I'd, I would love to object to that, but I just can't. <laughs> you see where, I'm, going extremely with you see where, you see where I'm floating in the conversation? So What? <laughs> Jake, balloons are extremely similar to orbs. <laughs> <They're>, uh, <laughs> what just happened to my brain? That was like, I, are they any different? I the guess the I orb agree. emoji looks kind of like a hot air balloon, I will say. But the orb emoji? <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to type in the word orb into my phone and see what comes up. Oh, the crystal wall. Yeah, the crystals, orbs. We have crystals is orbs. We have this weekend. <laughs> we have to mention this because it's happening. I think as we speak, um, another maybe this will be a UFO thing, and the government will accuse this individual of being a UFO or from a UFO. But uh, our pal Marianne Williamson is running for president. Wow! And she objects to orbs being. Uh, you know, associated with down. Her. You know, yeah, uh, editor's, editor's note, I have typed the word orb into my phone. There is no emoji popping up. Yeah, that's not what it's called. Well, I don't know what the, I don't know where you get that emoji, but it looks. Crystal ball does have, it is, is this one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crystal ball, like it, it comes up under, the orb, <laughs> the orb emoji is mistakenly filed under crystal ball. So if you want to get your orb, you have to type the wrong word. Wait, does she go. not like the orb thing? I, yeah, I think it's one of those uh, it's a death of the author things where she's never actually said anything about orbs, but she's always associated with orbs, and it's going to be yeah, maybe her downfall. Made like, up by idiots point. on the internet. Yeah, she's just going to get 
matter and matter every time someone brings up orbs <laughs> and just have like a fr- like a fucking Howard Dean freak out, but like actually mad. Like, stop talking about orbs. You I'm know? Marianne Williamson and I'm mad as hell. <laughs> no, she. Do. I've never I'm, seen an orb in my goddamn life. I'm trying to bring you love, <laughs> you damn fools. If you keep this up, I will send a curse after you. <laughs> No, she's mad about orbs. She, Are you going to send that curse with an orb, Marianne? <laughs> Look, she is uh, challenging Biden. I read, so I read a couple articles in the uh, the dumpster bourgeois press, Politico. Um, one said that, like, behind the scenes, basically every Democratic person they talk to is just, like, very worried about 2024 because Biden can't run. They don't, I mean, they think they're like, okay, reluctantly, we're behind Biden. In public, they're all like, yeah, let's do it. He's great. Um, but behind the scenes, they're like, this man is... He's shooting balloons? Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. shooting balloons with missiles. I've been having sex with his wife for years. <laughs> he doesn't seem to know. That's the <laughs> that's how the, the party tests the active presidents. They try to seduce their wife, and then uh, if, they, if they can do it, you're like, you got to get him out of here. He's... <laughs> He, he, the kid doesn't even know I'm cuckolding him. I don't know. There's a lot of presidents. You remember like Bill and Hillary? Was like, everyone was like, they don't fuck. Yeah, yeah. They hate each other. And I feel like Bill fuck would... Wife, see, but this is this this is why Bill is an operator is because he would get in front of the deal and he'd be like, I see, you're, I see you're trying to have sex with Hillary. Well, I got to catch some action on the side. <laughs> Let's make a deal. Why don't you come to the table? <laughs> I pass NAFTA and I look the other way. <laughs> look the other way of one fateful Valentine's that's Eve. That's pretty good. He's a man. He was a genius. Yeah. Um, that's why he's a leader. Everyone on the podcast is visibly angry right now. I'm not, <laughs> I just had coffee. I, th- dude, this coffee, coffee, I don't know what they put in this stuff. You uh, said this last time too. And yeah, you keep it's coming back. drip coffee. You keep I, crawling today back was like, to all right, I'm just going to drink because last time I drank my own coffee, and I was like, yeah, I need a little bit of a boost, and I had this. It's soap. It's atomic-powered. It's too much. Yeah, that uh, specific coffee bean is actually from a place called Benghazi, which... Oh, okay. Oh, is this the first you're hearing of it? You may... Maybe that's why... It's actually a really important place in Syria. I don't... It doesn't sit right with you. It's not in Syria, but okay. Uh, (laughs) No, this one is. It's a sister city. (laughs) So we didn't say it was that Benghazi. Oh, okay. The different well, Benghazi, I just want to say, of Paris, Texas. Before we get to that, I just want East to know. Palestine. Well, you don't know about Benghazi. You could <laughs> fill a fucking long-ass book, brother. Before we go there, I just want to say, I think Marianne uh, does not have a chance, but all she needs to do is embarrass Joe Biden, which should not be that hard because behind the scenes, everybody's like, it, you know, a, a vast majority of Democratic uh, Party primary voters don't want him as the nominee. They they will nominate him if they if their only other option is Marianne. But uh, I think this could be a good thing because it could embarrass him. That's all she needs to do. Get a significant chunk of the vote in New Hampshire. This has happened before. Eugene McCarthy, another weirdo, who's considered a freak by the mainstream press. Um, at least he was like an actual senator. But He was an elephant man. Yeah, he was a strange guy who got a like 42% of the vote in New Hampshire and it ended up forcing, it got uh, Bobby Kennedy in, to, to join the race and then it ended up forcing LBJ out. And I think that could happen potentially uh, through this. She just needs to embarrass him. Many in a few are places. calling Marianne Williamson the Bobby Kennedy of our generation. Well, she would be Eugene McCarthy in this metaphor. But anyway, that's the only <laughs> piece of that that I wanted to get on the record. 
uh, in my predicting oh, crystal ball I situation. See. In your orb. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing I wanted to get on the orb. That's right. That does actually make sense. I am very pro a Democratic primary just between Marianne Williamson and Joe Biden. <laughs> make the, I would love to see the party challenged in this way. Write that AI fucking robot thing, man. Get on it, chat GPT. What does GPT stand for, by the way? No one knows. Grand Global points. Per- Grand Peridian time. Made that up. Um, no, no one here fucking knows. No one here knows anything. <laughs> we're all we're fucking. We won't even talk about Benghazi. We won't even talk about Benghazi. So okay, You're I have afraid to do it. I have a. Very, what do you have now? <laughs> what, what other lies do you have? Just being saying to the microphone, Andrew. <laughs> I have a very interesting uh, anecdote, shall we say, about. <laughs> Benghazi. Um, <laughs> Wait, really? What? Yes. So I went to go see a movie at this place, Woodbine and in uh, Ridgewood, where they, they, it's like a community center where they screen movies sometimes. We interviewed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they showed this movie a few years ago called, it has a few different names. It's one of those movies that was like a 90s action thing and it got named and renamed. Um but it's one of these things you grow up. It's, it was called No Escape. Uh, then it was called Escape from Absalom. And then it was called Absalom 2022 because it takes place in 2022. If you remember, if you grew up in the 90s, you probably saw this in a video store, the cover of this movie. It looks vaguely like a yeah. thing, yeah. Right. It's one of those things you never rent, but you always walk by it. So it takes place in 2022. Wow. That's, that's this year. That was last year. That was last. We're fact-checking this guy over the place. <laughs> um, but anyway... Ray Liotta, his character in the movie, he's like a convict. He's in like a penal colony, and he's confronted by this guy who's like one of the heads of the penal colony. And he's like, and he's like, I know you. You are in the military. I know your record. I know what you did. And mind you, this is this movie came out in 1994. Takes place in 2022. I'm watching it in 2022 oh at this God. point. This guy says, I know what you did in Benghazi, Libya in ni- in 2009. <laughs> what the hell? Play- what time the and fuck? place. Mil- and he's a military guy. You had some military scandal, Benghazi, Libya, 2009. What? Yeah. That's crazy. And yet Hillary Clinton is still not acknowledging Ralph Fiennes or any of the movies he's made. <laughs> Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. And what did, any of the movies? When did this made? movie come out? Ninety four. Oh. Which one was when Hillary Clinton? It's was. based on a nineteen eighty seven novel, I guess. It's you might say it's like kind of out of order what happened there. You know, like they mm-hmm. went back and then made the movie at the beginning of. <laughs> yeah, somebody has a time machine and is just abusing the shit out of it <laughs> for really stupid reasons. You know what I was thinking? <laughs> Make sure there's a reference to Benghazi and No Escape, the multiply renamed 1994 film. Right, that's what would happen if a time machine was invented now. It would just get in the hands of TikTokers and they would go back to like 2005 and just at, get people to like do like game show things like on this on the street interviews with people in 2005 like guess which one of these guys becomes president in 2021 obama or biden and then you're going to tell them oh it's actually biden and they're like whoa mind blown that's what it's going to be tiktokers going back in time and quizzing people about the future yeah they're filming you on their phone they're like what is that ignore it (laughs) who do you think is going to be president yeah what do you think of the movie no escape or as you may know it escape (laughs) should we talk about the heart thing I'm extremely oh, caught yeah. up in the renaming a movie three times thing. I can't think of another example of that happening. 
Yeah, I feel like it's it happened. If it, yeah, it was you know a video thing. It's like, well, this didn't do well in theaters. If we rebrand it, it'll do better on video. It's and, a crazy idea. Remember when Suicide Squad sucked so hard they just made it again? Right. That was also crazy. But it would be crazier if Suicide Squad uh, bombed at the box office, came out, was just named like Sharko Friends or something. <laughs> We're like, oh, this is Suicide Squad. Yeah. Shark guy's in it. That's why it's called Sharko Friends. Should we yeah. talk about the thing? Yeah. Well, we've talked about this on the podcast before. So um, there is, was a proposal at one point that uh, if we're talking nuclear weapons, if somebody's thinking of launching a nuke and they are president of the United States, um, they should have to cut the nuclear codes out of someone's heart. Out of their heart. And do you have, if so in this proposed plan to engage nuclear annihilation, you carry around a patsy with you who has had the nuclear codes implanted in their heart. <laughs> as presumably of their own volition. That's so perverted. Th- this is a professional sub <laughs> who hangs out around the president just yeah. waiting to get their heart penetrated. Some Cronenberg shit, man. <laughs> oh, when are you going to carve the codes out of me, <laughs> also, Professor like, Biden? Biden just turns into like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> get over here, Mac. Rips your... <laughs> Fucking heart out. Come sit on my knee. <laughs> I'm going to get that fucking coat out of your heart. <laughs> yeah. He has to eat the coat. I, I would love to see Joe Biden get a, like, Last carve anybody's heart out at this age. Good <laughs> God. The man cannot run. <laughs> How's he going to carve a heart out of somebody? He's trying to carve the heart out, but it's like um, one of those infomercials where in the black and white segment, they keep fucking it up. <laughs> yeah, it's just, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> Introducing code outside of a heart. Yeah. I, I would I would love to just see, see the uh, the uh, uh, fucking uh, 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 screw the uh, blooper reel of Joe Biden stabbing a guy repeatedly, not getting the code out of his heart. Just like oh, God man. damn it, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> I keep hitting rib. Yeah. Whose Come fucking on, idea was this? Now <laughs> someone can uh, someone can program this into an AI, and we can hear this happening. Joe Biden trying to do this. Be very disturbing. Thanks to ChatGPT. Shout out Chat ChatGPT. Come on the show. Should we just like plug topics into that and let it record a podcast for we us? Should, absolutely, should do that. Absolutely, and just stop should. working forever. I would love to see what an AI thinks my conversation comes out as. I think we if an AI we programmed an AI of the three of us, it could make a better podcast than the ones that we make i am often them. surprised by the things that like come out of my mouth like i didn't <laughs> know i was going to say them and i would love to hear a robot interpret that yeah i think we're not supposed to reveal that that's what this actually is mm. i think we were not programmed oh to no do that. Yeah. oh no my circuits are frying oh no my circuits my orb emoji <laughs> <laughs> so nukes are in the news that's right. Bad situation. Um, these <laughs> yeah. things could go off at any moment. We don't know when or if uh, it will happen, but it is looking likelier than it ever has before, which is a scary thing. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but this article we talked about a few weeks ago, and uh, someone, uh, Tristan, listener of the show, got in touch, and he knows the person who wrote it, uh, Frida Bergen, who is of the infamous Berrigan clan. Uh, I should say family, not clan. It's weird <laughs> when people say that. Berrigan family. Clans are of family. peace activists. They uh, go back a ways 
her uncle was Daniel Berrigan, who was uh, very active in the anti-Vietnam uh, movement. You maybe the read their uh, childhood books, The Berrigan Bears. <laughs> Everybody remembers that. I think we all spell it the same way, right. The Berrigan Bears. Yeah, uh-huh. you remember there was a controversy where some weirdos thought it was Berenstein. No, it was Berrigan. It, it they were Irish bears. Be, yeah. <laughs> Those aren't even close at all, but I respect the bit. I understand. They what you're were doing bears there. and they couldn't stop drinking. You know why the distortion <laughs> in time happened? Right. Right. Because someone went back, a TikToker went back in time. That's right. Changed and that. Changed it and That's made it out of order. Isn't it crazy when things are out of order? Yeah. We record this podcast directly in order in one straight shot. All that begins no must one, end. No one can prove otherwise. Um, anyway. Yeah, so we have a great interview, um, which I guess we have not yet recorded, um, but we will start recording now. And it's uh, with Frida Berrigan to talk about this uh, development and uh, her article in in these times. Here we go. I just I don't know why I turned into Mario. <laughs> We are now joined by Frida Berrigan, who's the author of a, an excellent article in a recent issue of In These Times uh, entitled The End of the World is Back. Uh, nothing, uh, nothing subtle about that and nothing subtle about this topic. Uh, nuclear destruction. Um, we are speaking a few weeks after the doomsday clock was recently reset to 90 seconds to midnight, which I believe is the closest it's been to uh, a nuclear holocaust. So this is scary stuff. Um, I wonder if we could begin by you telling us the history of the doomsday clock itself and uh, what accounts for this recent update. Sure. Well, um, first of all, I'm just uh, really happy to uh, speak with you today. Um, And the, the doomsday clock was developed by the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. Um... As a, as a way of graphically demonstrating uh, the peril which uh, the world lives in under nuclear weapons. Um, I think it was first developed in 1954, so just, you know, less than a decade after the United States uh, dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki um, and ushered in the nuclear age with those two, uh, with those two bombings, each of which killed, you know, um, approximately 70,000 people instantly, um, and then, of course, poisoned those two uh, cities for uh, generations, for uh, millennia uh, to come. Um, so uh, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, um, you know, was worried that we wouldn't pay close enough attention to nuclear weapons and thought that a clock, you know, something that all of us have in our house, you know, we're all sort of a ruled by time, a clock would be a good way of graphically demonstrating um, how close we were to uh, to the end of the world. <clears throat> um, and uh, I think in the, the early days of the atomic age, um, the clock moved, uh, you know, in fits and starts um, around 10 minutes uh, to nuclear midnight. Um, when I was a kid in the 1980s, 1970s, um, it was around three minutes to nuclear midnight. Uh, when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, I think in 1967, uh, the, the clock stood at seven minutes to nuclear midnight. Um, and Anders, as you said in your introduction, um, 
this move, uh, 90 seconds to nuclear midnight, which was, uh, uh, it was moved there on January 17th of this year, is the closest uh, it's ever been to nuclear midnight. The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists um, about, uh, I think in 2005, uh, decided to add in uh, the existential threat posed by climate change and climate catastrophe and to kind of factor that in uh, to their decision making about moving the clock. And so (laughs) that that just kind of ramps up the 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 tension and the worry um, that uh, that we're in. Um, uh, all that much more. Um, so it was, uh, you know, uh, the, the clock doesn't move by any sort of uh, external schedule other than um, uh, what's happening in the world and the decisions of uh, the, the group that makes, you know, that, that moves it. Um, and so it was uh, completely a coincidence um, that the day that the article uh, was available to anybody who went to the In These Times website, um, that day just so happened to be January 17th uh, by their you know, schedule. Um, it was also the day that the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists decided to move the clock to 90 seconds. Um, so uh, so I, it, I think it's supposed to, not to go on too long with this first question, but it, it really is supposed to um, you know, be this wake-up call. Um, and, uh, but I, I think amid the noise of our of our, you know, busy, busy, shiny, shiny uh, lives, I, I, I don't think it garners the kind of attention um, that uh, that the scientists thought that it would when they conceived of this uh, way back in the day. But but there it is. Yeah, very opportune sort of soft launch for this this new time on the clock for the for the article to they, to come out. They need to change it to the do the the smartphone that tells us when the nuclear war is going to. It happen. should be an app as you know well. They should consider that. Um, and, and just to clarify, so ideally the clock is at noon. I think that would be an ideal one. And midnight is it's lights out, end of the day, and the day is our lives, right? Right. We're, and uh, the day is our lives. The day is the life of, of, of the planet as, a, as an ecosystem that supports uh, human, human life, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, and what were some of the factors that went into this change? Is a lot of it um, have to do with the war in Ukraine? Is it because right. we're phasing out daylight savings? <laughs> that's coincidental. Yeah. Okay, just yeah. checking. I, I didn't that's, know that. that's, you know, I think the scientists need a whole new formula to figure out <laughs> uh, the phasing out of daylight savings. Um, right. Uh, the, the war in Ukraine, uh, the saber rattling between Putin and, uh, and the United States, um, the ratcheting up of, ten, uh, uh, of tensions uh, with China, which is also a nuclear weapons state, um, and then uh, the the failure of um, the, the developed world uh, to uh, to take seriously uh, climate change and really um, make those uh, hit their marks um, on climate change. All of those factors really um, uh, cohered. Is that is that a word? Yes. Cohered Excellent. Around, Academic. Uh, this ninety seconds. Uh, this move to move it. Uh, this decision to move it to 90 seconds. And it was at 100 seconds before that. So this is not a dramatic move in terms of seconds, you know, 10 seconds, boom. Um, But um, these two moves are the first time it's been below two minutes. And and how much closer 
can you really get to nuclear midnight, um, you know, then then 90 seconds, right? And right. pretty soon we'll be talking in nanoseconds, right? Oof. Yeah. Um, so we have the war in Russia. There's some other flashpoints you, you mentioned. Uh, I, I've noticed within the past year, some people have been kind of trying to um, uh, appease themselves to the idea of nuclear war being an inevitability. They're talking about, well, would it be so bad? You know, are there, are there tactical nukes we can launch that would be smaller? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this term tactical nuke? What is that? Is that does that exist? What is that really concealing? Yeah. Um, so, so tactical nukes are, uh, are what you said that the, the opposite of tactical is strategic, right. And strategic weapons, uh, are the weapons that we, you know, launch across, uh, you know, across the globe, uh, to hit, uh, Russian cities, uh, through the, um, through the cold war. And of course they had them, you know, trained on us and, uh, North Dakota and, uh, and the, Los Angeles and uh, Washington DC, of course, um, tactical nuclear weapons uh, would be uh, delivered um, by a bomber um, and would fall and would uh, conceivably um, either burrow into the ground and uh, explode below ground, thus uh, containing the radiation. Uh, uh, another word for tactical is low yield. Um, or, uh, or, or small nuclear weapons. Um, these are in existence. The United States has uh, some in their arsenal. Um, and they are, as you say, a way of um, sort of softening um, all of us to the idea that nuclear war is once again um, not only uh, winnable, uh, but winnable without, uh, without high cost uh, to us who are far away. Um, and so uh, the Russians also have a uh, small yield, um, low yield uh, nuclear weapons. They have this uh, bunker busting uh, capability as well. The idea that it could, a nuclear weapon could burrow under the ground and explode on a, on a hardened underground target. And uh, again, destroy that target, destroy the nefarious, uh, stop it in their tracks, the nefarious uh, doings uh, in that bunker, and um, and yet uh, the rest of us would just be able to go on uh, with our daily lives. Um, and uh, you know, uh, this hasn't been tried, this hasn't been used, um, but I think we can look at you know what's happening in in Ohio right now and the train derailment and uh, the way in which that plume of uh, noxious chemicals, uh, you know, I can smell it here in uh, New London, Connecticut today. Uh, it came down with the rain that fell um, in my neighborhood uh, yesterday. Uh, so the idea that anything is limited once it, you know, gets into our atmosphere um, isn't really supported by, by science. Um, but uh, but it does kind of change the conversation. Um, uh, nuclear war is no longer this this global phenomenon that uh, that impacts uh, has a negative impact on everybody, but uh, theoretically uh, could be fought. You know, uh, Russia could uh, use a nuclear weapon against uh, Ukraine, and um, you know people can still go and club in Ibiza that summer and, you know, won't be impacted in any way by it. Um, and of course it is, 
yeah, whatever. It's a, it's a very dangerous uh, kind of line of reasoning and line of military strategy uh, that's uh, that's coming to the forefront. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to conceive of because we've you know the Earth has withstood two. Uh, well, we've used two uh, nuclear bombs in, in warfare, but it's been one-sided, right? We've never had a two-sided actual nuclear exchange. Um, right. And it's kind of hard to conceive of what that would mean, but I think you're saying it's it's not it's not good, uh, and it's kind of just the would possibly be the end of civilized human life, right? Uh, can, I, can I butt in here for a second? Sure. Because I've always been curious about this, uh, and maybe you can shed some light on it. So uh, there's a... The, the line of thinking behind the tactical nukes is that they're smaller, so you'll kill less tens of thousands of people at once, and maybe that doesn't cross as much of a line of, uh, you know, uh, international law, and there could be some, you know, Russia could try hedging in tactical nukes, see if that escalates into a full strategic exchange, which in all the simulations it runs, it usually does. But aren't there extreme externalities just with detonating nukes in general? And even in the tests we were doing in Bikini Atoll uh, throughout the, the 50s, and, uh, you know, Russia's tests now, every time you detonate a bomb, what happens? Like, what, what, are, what are the effects to the planet around it? And how many of these could you set off in a row before there is some domino exchange going on with the world around us uh yeah okay so um uh there were like 10 questions there but i'll i'll, I'll do my best i mean so we we detonated hundreds and the united states detonated hundreds of nuclear weapons above ground um in the deserts uh, of nevada um in the 19 uh late 1940s and 1950s, 1960s, early 1960s, before those uh, those nuclear weapons tests went underground. Um, Russia did the same. France did the same. Uh, the UK also tested nuclear weapons. China tested nuclear weapons. So, so as you said, like they've only been uh, detonated in the context of, of war fighting twice. Uh, but nuclear weapons have been going off um, around the planet, really. Um, you know, since since 1945, since the Trinity test in uh, in July of 1945. Um, and uh, now uh, nuclear weapons are mostly being tested um, in very controlled uh, lab settings um, at Sandia and Lawrence Livermore and um, uh, uh, the other uh, Los Alamos uh, nuclear laboratories. And I think each of the nuclear weapon states also has some sort of uh, lab testing uh, capacity now, but um, you know, uh, cancer blooms, uh, cancer alleys, uh, 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 certain uh, kinds of cancers throughout uh, the populations of the Southwest in the United States, in the Marshall Islands, in the South Pacific. Um, you know, the the impacts uh, are being felt um, both on the the groundwater, the earth, and uh, human bodies uh, around the globe. Um, you know, despite the fact that, as you say, they, they haven't been used in, in warfare in 77 years. Um, so, uh, and, and what the, the, the way in which, uh, perhaps that's, uh, accelerated global warming, added more particulate, um, to the atmosphere, um, uh, impacted the ozone layer, like all, all of those consequences, uh, compound, uh, certainly, um, but uh, some of the uh, 
research that I did for uh, the piece in these times was also talking about uh, what uh, what even a limited nuclear um, uh, uh, you know trading of even small nuclear weapons uh, the impact that that would have on uh, on crops um, and on uh, sunshine uh, coming to uh, coming and, and, and impacting agriculture, right? That there would not be enough sunshine um, if there was a nuclear exchange between the United States and Russia over uh, Ukraine, um, that it would affect the global food supply, um, uh, you know, for at least the next uh, 10 to 20 years, which, you know, uh, made it a lot less um, kind of theoretical uh, to me, you know, because I, I'm not growing my own food. I go to the grocery store for most of my food. And um, just thinking about, uh, you know, while the war in Ukraine and Russia, like that all feels very far away from me here in Connecticut, um, uh, the impact on uh, the price of uh, foodstuffs or or the ability of uh, vegetable producing places to produce, well, you know, all of that, like it were just so connected as a as a global economy at this point that um that there is no you know there is no far away at this point right so i'm i'm curious now what we're on the subject of, of nuclear testing if you have a reaction to this recent news that um looks like christopher nolan in the making of this mo- new movie about oppenheimer uh simulated or perhaps even it's hard to get a clear answer of what ex- exactly happened but uh, recreated a nuclear explosion um, somewhere in the Southwest. Um, are you aware of him using an actual nuke? And, and what do you think the ramifications of that are? Uh, um, I uh, hadn't uh, heard anything about that, but um, yeah. It's an interesting... That, that, it, the <laughs> ramifications of that would be significant. Yeah. And, uh, well, it it's... also seems uh, a little gratuitous because, you know, all of these... Um, all of these nuclear weapons tests uh, that the United States carried out were were filmed and uh, measured and uh, documented, uh, you know, in a in a pretty comprehensive way. So yeah, um, I'm against well, it. He should just go back to making Batman. If this is what he's up to. <laughs> yeah, I don't want you setting off nuclear bombs. For well, your I'm high octane art piece. I am curious. Yeah, bring if... back Michael Keaton. <laughs> Well, yeah, it looks he's like he's coming, coming back. back. Yeah. I got good news for you. <laughs> Hopefully oh, really? that one won't have nukes. Um, but I am curious about that because this movie might be a, a, a positive thing because uh, movies, especially in this uh, area, have have made an impact at some points. You know, it's hard to find points when art actually uh, makes a difference with, with social change. But you look at the 80s, the day after, I think it was called, it was a TV movie, uh, Reagan personally watched it and it scared the bejesus out of him. And after that, he like was able to come to the table and start negotiating uh, nuclear weapons. Is it time for maybe maybe a, a modern day after Dr. Strangelove and, and could Oppenheimer potentially be that movie that actually shifts people's perceptions or is it kind of too late for all that? Well, art, if art didn't do anything, the CIA wouldn't put so much money into True propagandizing and stuff like that and uh i know i think it's a good point considering we started this conversation talking about how like yeah no one's listening to the doomsday clock that's a yeah. problem it's not important you know anymore the goal of art is to scare old people into making <laughs> policy changes true <laughs> um 
Right. Yeah. The day after came a made for TV movie came out in 1983 um, and was watched by, uh, you know, it's the, the largest um, uh, TV audience, uh, I think, up until that point. Um, and as you say, Reagan, it, it, it kept Reagan up at night. Uh, it was the stuff of his nightmares. Um, and uh, and it did uh, it did help uh, it, it it helped him uh come in a serious way to the negotiating table with the Soviet Union. You know, uh, Don't Look Up was, you know, one of those movies that was supposed to kind of, um, you know, uh, shame us into uh, taking uh, climate change more seriously. Um, perhaps it was too much of a parody and not, um, not genuinely moving enough, or maybe Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, is just isn't very likable. Um, it's his and fault, so, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but I but I think I think you're right. I think these uh, that that you know within popular culture, you know, a lot of what we're we're being fed right now is um, you know zombies plus nuclear weapons, or you know um, that uh, the idea that uh, we can we can survive this uh, is um, and just these kind of grim dystopian. Uh, uh, hellscapes um, of you know Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead or um, Blood Quantum or like whatever. Um, uh, I think that doesn't that doesn't help us maybe um, remember to protect the Earth and um, and human life before all these things um, kind of take us over the edge. Um, but. Uh, maybe that sounds sort of Pollyanna-ish or something, but um, I just wonder about something beautiful and hopeful. Yeah, um, yeah. Those movies also never—they just start with the world's already over, and they don't do a lot of explaining how it got there. Mm. Right, right. Or who helped not? Uh, who helped try and keep it from happening? You know, like yeah. a, a lot of what I was really struck by in um, working on this article was like how powerful the anti-nuclear movement. Uh, was and how much good uh, it did. And, you know, um, you know, one person, uh, you know, uh, in Central Park on uh, July, uh, June 18th, 1982, might not have felt like they were doing anything. But that uh, that million person uh, march in New York City, um, you know, really, really helped uh, uh, the international community take much more seriously uh, the call for nuclear abolition um, and, and to see it coming from all corners um, of, of their, uh, of their societies. And, and um, they really needed that uh, to continue to work on this, um, you know, architecture of international law that, uh, that at this point really does say that nuclear weapons are illegal, um, uh, prohibited, um, and that the nuclear weapon states, all nine of them, uh, should uh, should start taking them apart right now. Um, so, uh, so I, I think there's something there's something hopeful and uh, beautiful in that history. Um, that I, I guess I, I, I wish people were more afraid, but I also wish people were, were more hopeful, right? Because uh, the the work is there to be done. Um, and, uh, and there are a lot of really good people working on it. And, yeah. and so, um, attracting more people into that work, 
uh, seems like an important piece of all of this, too. Well, I think that's a great note to end on, and I thank you for your work. And that's a you know a good reminder that things seem scary now, but back in the eighties, at the height of the Cold War, a million people, as you said, were out in the streets uh, calling for an end to the to the madness. Uh, Frida Bergen, thank you so much again. And uh, where can people find your work? Um, well, uh, you can often find my work at wagingnonviolence.com uh, and tomdispatch.com, and uh, occasionally in the pages of In These Times magazine. So. Uh, nice to talk with all of you, and uh, good luck with Pod Damn America. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Okay, so I got a. This is my great bit I was sitting on for that interview. You know, if uh, the nuclear. Clock is supposed to be something we all have in our houses. Why they should uh-uh. have a nuclear cell phone? I literally said that yeah, in we the should. interview. We should have an app. It was like a boomer joke I did. It was my Roseanne stand-up. Oh, uh, you d- you did? Yeah, I said. You said that. that in the interview. It's recorded. Oh no! <laughs> you suck. <laughs> well, my well, doomsday. Maybe, yeah, maybe we should have a doomsday <laughs> smartphone. That'll get these fucking kids to pay attention to nuclear war. Hey, maybe if you go on the app store and download some peace of mind, we could get rid of these things, huh? Yeah, we also said the app store. Fucking yeah, we said they should. The, you know what the thing is? I was on my phone, you and were... that prevented me from hearing you referencing the phone. Were you checking the app store to see if they have one of these? Things? I wasn't were... doing anything. No. Okay, listen. <laughs> we record this podcast in pieces, obviously, because there's a segment where we. This is how things are made. There's a segment where we interview a person, and it's often Andrews has done a lot of research, and I'm like fiddling with knobs and on this computer. I was watching you eat lunch like, yeah. <laughs> during it, that interview. <laughs> oh, I already had lunch. It's a it's just a croissant. Yeah. Just my fat little pleasure. You were eating during the, That's why <laughs> you missed that joke. My sweet pleasure. You were just thinking, like, mm, this croissant's really good. If the, nu- if the nuclear bomb goes <laughs> off, I won't be able to have any more of these wonderful <laughs> almond croissants, I thought. <laughs> Chewing with fear and Is every bite. How dare you insult our audience <laughs> Maybe by we give- eating on this podcast. <laughs> I had my mic on. Off, and I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. That's the most respect I could give it. If maybe if we gave Joe Biden an almond croissant and said these are going away, Joe. Unless right, we that's de-escalate. what I'm thinking. You have Putin and Biden. Uh, they each <laughs> you have serve telescopes. Them two almond croissants. Well, hear me out. They they each have telescopes and they're about to nuke the respective other country, and then they see one person succulently eating a <laughs> almond croissant just very slowly. Oh. It looks really good. Ooh, and it gives them something this? to live for. <laughs> yeah, that would stop it. Well, um, how about we give Biden and Putin each a nuke and we tell them to host to nuke one host of this podcast? Okay, but we're in different rooms then. <laughs> yeah, well, Here's the thing. they're tactical nukes. I think... <laughs> how tactical are they? Because I feel like a, a nuke hitting you right now may affect me. This is an Anders-specific nuclear weapon. <laughs> Okay. It only works on me. Just yeah. Anders catches a flame right next to me. Nukes are very person to person. It's like a very individual. It's like a. It's like kratom. I don't want to yuck oh anybody. It only works on certain weirdos. Uh, you just turn into like Doctor Manhattan because of all the kratom. <laughs> <laughs> they should. They should give Doctor Manhattan is always throwing up. If you're gonna launch a nuke, you should uh, have to do it like 
personally with no instructions whatsoever? Because I bet mean, it's really complicated. Right? Yeah, no shit. Why so somebody wants to do, to do it with no like, instructions? Because yeah, it's hard. But then you, you have, have to just miss your target. That's even worse. Then we're just shooting nukes I don't think randomly. I, I don't think I would even be able to launch it if someone was like, all right, here you go. You're in the room. They send me to North Dakota. Boom. Set it off. I How hard? Could, you just hit a button. It's it, always portrayed as just one button. Right. It's more complicated in real It's life. in the football. I'm also, if you put me in a, a jail cell for three years with a button-down shirt and a necktie and no instructions, I wouldn't get it. I would still not know how to tie tie. Why would? Oh, I was like, I thought you meant you wouldn't. Yeah, know the, you to, wouldn't know the nuclear bomb. <laughs> well, uh, Andrews, this is why you're not in charge of it. You have to really want it, I guess, is what I'm saying. Which is, yeah, what. Uh, and this was in the article. It did not come up in the interview. I was going to bring this up before. You you wanted to save this for the other part? Yeah, this okay. is why we usually record. Yep, the that's intro why first. We usually do that, but we didn't because uh, Alex had a really good bit. Well, we both had a really good bit. I don't want to steal it from you. I think we, it's uh, independent thinking. Well, we might as well just do it now. No, because this is chronologically after the the interview. That affects things, right? No. Just- Guys, this is like a meta, like, Charlie Kaufman podcast. It's all out of order, uh-huh. like Pulp Fiction. I don't think anything's out of order. We could discuss this now and nothing would be out of order, except everyone's dismay is palpable. Well, clearly Anders doesn't want to do it at the end of the podcast. He wants Fine. to do it at the beginning. <laughs> okay. I mean, we've already talked about it on the podcast. It will before. only be weird if at the beginning we do... The reference. Wait, wait, then wait. we do the interview. <laughs> then now we talk about how we're well, not doing gonna, the reference. No, We've already we <laughs> done the reference on the podcast. That's what spurred this whole thing. So for context leading into the interview, I was going to do the reference then. Okay. We, you know what we should do? On purpose, get into an argument in the first part of the show that uh, we planned okay. now so uh-huh. that when they listen to the whole thing in order and they get to this part, yeah. they're like, they planned okay. that? Okay, it's coming together. What, oh what should the argument God. be about? Um... What should it be about? I have total faith that we'll find something. But <laughs> See, the thing be- is that it hurts me so much to argue with my best friends that I can't even imagine what we're going to fight about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Maybe Benghazi. <laughs> Let's okay. do that. Let's try to get into it. I our- think Hunter I actually Biden have a good. <laughs> I have a great Benghazi <laughs> anecdote we can uh, dive into at the top. Actually, yeah, this is... Uh, all right. All right. So if you're listening to this now, you've heard two great segments that we brought up. Yeah. And you're discovering for the first time that the Benghazi argument that we had at the beginning of the show was fake, actually. Right. Oh, my No, it's going to make a lot of sense when you know what I'm thinking of, which you guys don't right now because it's the future, but when it's the past, you will understand it'll all come together in one big mushroom cloud of uh, mental amazement. <laughs> it was like Chekhov's gun if Chekhov was very bad at planning. <laughs> oh, man. They should just shoot movies in order. This is fucking confusing. <laughs> if in the third act there is a gun, <laughs> it's already been fired? Chekhov's gun is kind of like a nuclear metaphor, you know? Yeah. Um, it actually is in the article. Totally that's why you cool. can't that's why, I that's why you can't let a theater person be be president. I guess we've had an actor before, but they will right. want they'll be like, well, thematically we have to end with an explosion. With yeah. we have the gun. Trunks the had theater kid energy. He right. did. That's yeah. why he was dangerous is he brought drama to the White House. Yeah. The White House is a is a no no key, uh no drama low key kickback. He was always wearing those thrift store clothes and trying to get us to play games with them. Yeah, man. <laughs> 
this is theater kid thing I just made up. Okay. Come on, everybody. Hacky sack. <laughs> um, let's do plugs, yeah. eh? Please. All right. <clears throat> You'll never hear from me again. After you back my Kickstarter with 10 days left to go. Oh, boy. We're around halfway there. Will it happen? Will it not? Will this be the season where we cover the newly pitched idea, which is now in the running for a thing that we could actually be doing? Massachusetts werewolves, where it's a bunch of werewolves who live in the Boston regional area. I hope that's the radio play you'll be backing at kickstarter.com, Theater of Delight Season 5. Link in the bio. I'll see you there. Uh, I have a show at uh, Union Pool um, on the 26th of February. Uh, la, 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 Windbreaker comedy with Clara Kane and Emily Panic in... Brooklyn and New York City at the the cool bar where everyone is under 25, if I remember correctly, from moving here. Oh, hell yeah. It's, Maybe Leonardo DiCaprio can find a girlfriend there. He's be fishing there with a huge <laughs> fishing pole. It is a pool. Yeah, at least that's what I'm saying. He's, yeah. he's trying to fish a 24-year-old out. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Leonardo DiCaprio is trying to put hooks in the mouths of 24-year-old women. <laughs> Folks, um, and this is what someone Hollywood I, thinks okay. is okay. Someone I know is do raising money. You don't have to stand for East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, they're they're getting water, clean water for people to drink in East Palestine. We will put the uh, link in the show description for you to donate to that. Uh, it's the Comedy Resistance. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Our buddy Ricardo is leading the effort there. Uh, also, speaking of comedy causes, paid protest will be. Uh, on Thursday, March 2nd at Silo in Bushwick off the Silo. Jefferson L, 7 p.m. Come check it out. We got some great names. Mohana Del Shaky, uh, uh, Claire O'Kane as well. And uh, Comedy's very small. Yeah, I mean, yes. Left-wing comedy, right, you do a lot of great stuff, and it's uh, a, an elite circle of uh, big-brained, hilarious people. Um, so come check that out. We'll also have a ticket link in the description for that. Great. It's finished. Bye-bye. This will be the last podcast you listen to before a nuclear fallout. It's real finished. <laughs>